Hey, Connection Point, happy Thanksgiving. Although this past week I was a bit surprised to read that some are suggesting we cancel Thanksgiving. And this Thanksgiving week, let's talk about that. Pastor John asked me to talk about Thanksgiving on this Thanksgiving week. And it's appropriate to do that because I wondered when somebody said, let's cancel Thanksgiving, that really sounds depressing. What does that mean? Well, the deal is Thanksgiving is kind of an odd holiday, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, after all, how can you be thankful if you think what you have, you did the work? I heard about this guy that uh, owned a farm, bought a big plot of ground. He'd really worked on the thing with briars and weeds everywhere, you know, he arrived. And he spent a year really working on it. Beautiful garden. He invited the pastor to come over and walk around the property. And the pastor said, boy, look at what God has done. The handiwork of God. And the farmer said, Pastor, you should have seen the place when God just had this all by himself. You know, we're kind of like that, aren't we? God does the work, but maybe we kind of claim the work ourselves. And the deal is, if you don't know God, you really have no one you can thank. So let me just ask you this weekend, how do you live gratefully? I mean, and are you grateful? For instance, are you grateful for your family? A recent survey said people believe the number one reason for Thanksgiving is to be with family. Even more so, they say, being with family more than being thankful because they don't understand thankfulness. But I would ask you, are you grateful for your family? This year, we're not getting together with all of our family. Now, some of you might wonder, how's the family doing? Here's a picture of our family. When we came to Brownsburg, Indiana in 1986, when we came here, there are three kids, my sons and my daughter. They all were preschoolers when we arrived. And now they're adults. And we're pretty proud of them, you know. And now they have these grandchildren. And so that's our family from this summer. They've changed a little bit over the years. And I'll tell you, we're pretty proud of our three kids. But can I just tell you something? Just between us, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. You want to know why? Because their mom is not perfect. She's not. Now, some of you who know us really well are going, wait a minute. Kristen's a lot closer to perfect than you are, and you're right. If you know us, that's really true. But the deal is even though we have family and friends sometimes, maybe they're not perfect. Things aren't right. There might be a lot of tension this Thanksgiving or Christmas in your family. But are you grateful for who you have? Are you grateful for your body? The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's my question for you. When you get up in the morning, do you look in the mirror and say, do you quote the Bible? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Or do you look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully made. I think so often we're not thankful for who we have and what God has given to us and who we are. Are you grateful for your church? You're worshiping with Connection Point this weekend, but we're really glad that you're a part of the worship today. About 70% of the Connection Point family worship online. About 30% are coming with the in-person services. But if you worship with Connection Point regularly, are you really grateful for your church family or do you find yourself sometimes being critical? See, we preacher types are more critical than anybody about the church. I know. So are you critical? Are you grateful for the church that you have? Or do you keep saying, well, I don't know about 2020. I won't be happy until we can get back to normal, whatever that is. Well, normal may never return the way we knew it before. So how in the world are you going to be grateful? See, we had this real problem with this gratitude kind of thing, a big problem with us. Uh, and the problem, I think, so often is that lots of enemies to gratitude. There's some real common enemies to gratitude. There's some things that kind of get in our way. 
And we're going to talk today about a guy who had come to grips with contentment and gratitude. He learned the secret. Now, that's a pretty interesting guy. I want to learn from this guy, especially when you find out he was single. As he writes about this, he's in prison. He's sick. He's about to die, okay? And he's writing these words. And before we look at what he has to say, before we talk about him, let's talk about us. Let's just keep it real for just a couple of minutes. I know that gratitude is going to be a tough thing for many of us this year, so let's talk about it. There are some enemies to gratitude. Here's the first one, unrealistic expectations. I mean, maybe you grew up where your family was overprotective of you, or they rescued you, they ran interference for you, or they tried to meet your every need within minutes or hours. And when you have unrealistic expectations, watch out, it will lead to disillusionment. What are you talking about? Well, you get married, and in time you find out you're, you're making be self-centered sometimes. You look across the room and you go, hmm, I think they're getting heavier. They put on some weight, and now you're disillusioned. You get a new job, and you're so pumped about the new job, this is going to be the perfect place. But you get there, and you find out that work is kind of tedious sometimes. There's some things you just don't like to do. It's just a part of the job, and in fact, you hate it. Or your boss is profane, and you're not happy. You become a Christian. Last weekend, many of you perhaps made the decision to be baptized here at Connection Point. Boy, what a great time to celebrate your faith and your journey in Christ. Many people think they begin to give their lives to Christ, and boy, things are going to be great. Some of you have found out once you give your life to Christ, you still, still struggle with temptation, and not only that, you're not happy. Maybe things are going the wrong way, but they were heading the right way, and so you're disillusioned. Wait a minute, is God letting you down after you've given your life to him? See, Jesus wants us to keep it real, and that's why he said things like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, if you expect trouble, you're not quite as disillusioned when it comes your way, and if you learn to maybe appreciate the good days, if you learn to do that, take heart, God has overcome the world, you know. Um, realize that the good days, the difficult days, are frankly, that's kind of the normal, if you will. Again, Jesus quoting him, John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. A second enemy of gratitude, unfair uh, comparisons. Oh, man, Jesus told a story one time about some, this landowner. He hired some people to work, so 12-hour shift. He hired them at dawn, 6 o'clock in the morning. They were going to work till 6 o'clock at night. And so as they worked the day, he hired another crew to come and join them at noon. He hired some more workers at 3. He even hired some more workers uh, a little later. He hired some at 9 o'clock in the morning, noon, 3, and then he even hired a crew at 5 o'clock. They worked just one hour. At the end of the day, he paid them all the same amount, a denarius. It was a day's wage. And the people said, well, you thought your kids invented. It's in the Bible. The ones who worked 12 hours said, wait a minute, that's unfair. That's unfair. We did all the work. They got the same thing we got. Here's a lesson from Jesus, Matthew 20, verse 11. It says this, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Oh, man. These men, he continues, these men were hired last, worked only one hour. And you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the work 
and the heat of the day. He continues, but he answered one of them. He said, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? And then he says this, take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. In fact, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? You see, when you make unfair comparisons, when we uh, compare to other people, it's not wise because it leads to envy. You see, you're not so ungrateful because you don't have something. You're ungrateful because you don't have what somebody else has or your circumstances don't look as good as theirs do. Now, I've become an authority on things like uh, Snow White with three preschool uh, granddaughters and the Wicked Queen. Remember the Wicked Queen? She was happy as could be as long as she was the fairest in the land. But she found out somebody was prettier than her and she wasn't so happy anymore. And she found out a, a way she developed a plan to get rid of the competition. Um, you know, the Lucas Oil Stadium is where the Colts play. Wasn't that an awesome game last week? Oh, man. My wife loved it. We actually rewatched the game. It was so exciting. But do you know they used to actually have 60,000 people packed into that stadium to watch a football game before the pandemic? And my wife, one year, we were given some tickets in the top row of Lucas Oil Stadium. I finished preaching. We drove downtown as quickly as we could. We were in the top row of the stadium. And, man, we were far away, but we could see the big screen. We were just glad to be in the house. I was so happy and so fulfilled until I looked at my binoculars and saw somebody I knew down in the front row. And I went from happy to envious. You see, that's just what happens to us. And that's why Proverbs 14, 30 warns us, a heart at peace, that gives life to your body. But envy, man, it's going to rot the bones. Here's the third problem we have. Unnoticed blessings can destroy gratitude. See, here's, here's the truth again. We have, we do, <laughs> we have more possessions. We have greater freedom. We have more recreational opportunities. We have more stuff than any people in history, really but we just regard them as necessities. But are they really? I'll just, let's just go real old school. Is air conditioning in the summertime a necessity? You know, 75 years ago, it was a luxury. In fact, 50 years ago, everybody did not have air conditioning. My wife, Kristen, her dad was an engineer. They had a, good, a pretty good world, a pretty good life, a nice house, four bedrooms upstairs, but no air conditioning. Some of you are going, aha, that's how you got Christian to marry you. And that's true. I promised her, if you marry me, I'll get you air conditioning in our apartment. And for 44 years, she's had air conditioning. But you see, she didn't take it for granted at the beginning. How about indoor plumbing? That's old school. You ever been to a house that doesn't have indoor plumbing? My grandmother in Georgia had something called an outhouse. That's scary at night to walk down a long path. And so she had this outhouse. Oh, man, we don't think about not having indoor plumbing unless your sewer backs up and then you really think about uh, the luxury it is to have indoor plumbing. Uh, what about a television set? Well, I remember the day, so old, I remember the day we begged my mom, could we just get a color television? I wanted to watch Batman in color, please, a 17-inch, portable. I thought it was the greatest gift in the world. And today we have to have a widescreen in every room with the DVR and all the best live streamings available services in every single room or we're not happy. And so the deal is when we just don't notice the blessings around us, the problem is it leads to complaining. 
Yeah, it does. First Timothy 6, verse 8, uh, Timothy said this to the, to the church. He said, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Now, time out. That'll be the day, huh? Will you, are you just going to be happy and grateful if all you have is food and clothing? No, we're way beyond that. Here's a picture of the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa, very famous painting. It hung in a museum in Paris, France between 1899 and 1911. But in 1912, you know what happened? It was stolen. And then here's what they had, a wall, a blank wall. Do you know in the two years that painting was missing till they found it? The two years it was missing, they had more people go to the museum to see where the Mona Lisa was than the previous 12 years when it was hanging on the wall. We don't miss something until it's gone. Number four, uncontrolled ambition. I think that's a real big one for us because we all want to do the best we can. We want to achieve, right? But that can really take away your gratitude and uncontrolled ambition. Ambition is a healthy thing. You should want to do the best you can with what you have. You should try to excel for God with what God has given to you. But when ambition gets out of control, it causes all kinds of problems. It leads to restlessness. James chapter 3, verse 16 says this, where you have envy, where you have selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. But it also leads to a loss of values, and this is a much more serious deal. See, ambition can cause us to sacrifice family, integrity, oh man, sleep, health, friendships, just to kind of climb another rung of the ladder, you know, to move up politically. Uh, my daughter is now working in the counseling field, and it's pretty interesting what you learn about people so quickly. A psychologist performed a pretty thorough research and asked about 3,000 people, what are they living for? You know what he learned? 94% of the people said they're just enduring today, looking forward to something in the future. How many of us have said this year, I just, I just can't wait till we get to 2021? Trust me, there's going to be something else in 2021. If you're just living for the future, you'll never be content or grateful in an ongoing kind of way. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, listen, keep your lives free from the love of money. Don't just be driven by this ambition of the world, but be content or be grateful with what you have for what you have. Now with that little background, let's spend just a couple of minutes talking about this guy I mentioned earlier, this single guy in prison. He wrote most of the New Testament. His name's the Apostle Paul. He wrote a letter to the Philippians. John, uh, Pastor John, four weeks ago, talked, did some teaching through Philippians chapter 4, the earlier portion of the chapter. And I'm going to deal with the later portion of the chapter today. And he gives us some secrets to living gratefully. Let's learn from this guy. Number one, gratitude occurs when we have a spirit of contentment. He puts it this way right in verse 12. He said, I have learned, circle the word learned if you're writing in the notes or your Bible somewhere. I learned the secret of being content or being grateful in any and every situation. Remember where this guy was and how things were for him, how bad things were for him, okay? How many times have we said, well, I will be happy if and when this happens. Uh, if, if my job were more fulfilling, you know? If I could just get out of debt. If my husband just were more affectionate, okay? If my wife just paid more attention to my needs, you know, instead of just the kids all the time. If I could just be healthy again. I'm so drained from doctors telling me they don't know what's wrong with me. If I could, if I could just. 
But the truth is our peace of mind is really, it's about 10% circumstances and 90% attitudes. I'm sorry to tell you that. I've learned that the hard way. I've been on both sides of the fence, and we can so often think, I'm just having, having bad luck here. The circumstances just aren't working my way. Someday things are going to change for me, but it's really about attitude. See, don't miss this. Most of life consists not in what happens to us, but in how we respond to what happens to us. Let me say that again. Most of life really consists not in what happens to us, but in how we respond to what happens to us. And that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching us. One time Jesus met a man who had been disabled for 38 years. Can you imagine? Couldn't walk. 38 years. He's begging for healing and help from Jesus. And Jesus asked him a really strange question. He said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Couldn't walk for 38 years. Do you want to get well? well? He wants to know. It's a true question. Let me ask you today, if you tend to be complain, be negative and ungrateful, as we all do sometimes. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get over this? Do you want to change? If you want to change, let me just offer a couple of suggestions. Number one, ask a friend to help you. I mean, just tell them, I have this tendency to complain. I really do. I, get, I can get negative sometimes. In fact, I feel like I've been negative for a long time this year. And uh, Say to, say to your friend or your family member, listen, the next time you hear me complain, would you let me know some kind of way you're complaining again? Trust me, they'll be delighted to help you. Here's a second suggestion. Start every day with a positive prayer. It's a small thing, but it makes a difference. Remember, we give thanks to God. We begin the day by praising God. Philippians 2 verse 14, earlier in this same letter, from prison... He's dying. I've mentioned that three times now. He writes, do everything without grumbling or arguing. In fact, let's say this together. If you're with your family, you're in the church room right now, say this together. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. In fact, you ought to say that anytime you need to this Thanksgiving and Christmas over the next month. Just look at each other. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Pretty good advice. See, it's attitude. I can get up in the morning and I can say, Good morning, Lord. Or I can say, good Lord, it's morning. It really is about that perspective, isn't it? And I know it's attitude. Again, I've been on both sides of this fence. I know. And so Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Pastor John mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I love these passages. It says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You say, well, I'm there. I'm all in. But how do you do that? How can I become more positive? I want to become a more optimistic person. How do you do that? Well, do you imagine the best version of yourself? Sure. Do you keep a journal maybe of positive things that happen in your life? Sure. Do you try to practice some of these principles of gratitude? Absolutely. Maybe remember the people that you're grateful for. Do that too. Those are all good things to do, but let me tell you, that's not enough. No. Authentic Christian hope, it's not based on us. It is based on the Lord. Let me say it again. Authentic Christian hope is not based on any of the stuff or anything about us. It's all based on the Lord. And that's the second insight that Paul gives to us. 
Gratitude occurs when we determine to honor Jesus Christ. Okay? Put Christ first in everything, and he will take care of you and give you the contentment and peace and gratitude that you really want. Notice verses 12 and 13. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all this through him, he's referring to Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength. Now, yes, you and I have plenty of money. We do. We have plenty of clothing. We have plenty of people who do care for us. But we're still miserable sometimes. Why is that? I don't know about you, but I think one of my biggest problems is trying to prove myself. You find yourself doing that? Maybe trying to impress other people, and it really gets in the way of your peace, of always needing to be on top. It's that little story again for kids. That's the wicked, the wicked queen in Snow White. If you're not the fairest of them all, your ego is wounded. If you don't have enough strokes, you're going to be pouting about it. Listen, somewhere along the line, family of God, we have to ask ourselves, who am I really trying to impress? I mean, just look in the mirror. Who am I trying to impress? Why am I driving myself like this? To make other people, you know, want to be impressed with me? Why do I try to impress people who don't maybe care a thing about me? (laughs) That hurts. But sometimes it's true. Now, I'm a very competitive person, so when I'm preaching this, preaching it to me. I'm so competitive. I mean, I'm kind of like the boys who are bragging when they're young. You know, one kid, a bully said to another kid, oh, my, my dad can whoop your dad. <laughs> the kid shrugged his shoulders. He said, walked off and said, that's no big deal. My mom can whoop my dad. <laughs> it's kind of nice to get over the competition thing, isn't it? It's a great day when you say, you know what? I'm, I'm not worried about competing and just kind of go on. And so you want to balance gratitude with ambition Just make this transition in your thinking. You change by the way you think. Change your thinking. Stop trying to impress everybody else. And you start trying to truly want, trying to impress Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 13 one more time, I can do all of this through him who gives me the strength. That means I can do everything that that pleases him. And then he will supply all that I need if I'm trying to honor him. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So make up your mind, will you? What do you really want? I mean, more than anything else in the world, what do you want? I'm appealing today, begin to ask God to give this as the desire of your heart every day. Uh, Lord, I want to get to heaven when I die and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. (laughs) Let me make my life count while I'm here, but I want to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. God, may that drive what I do. And then when that happens, Paul says, number three, gratitude occurs when we love people instead of things. What's an issue, isn't it? Value relationships more than your achievements. Let's conclude our study in verse 10 when Paul says this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What's he talking about here? Kind of interesting that Paul talks about this. And he says, even though I'm in prison, you're encouraging me. 
okay? I'm in prison. I'm in this difficult situation. You tried to reach me, church, Connection Point family, Philippi Church, he says, you tried to reach me and you couldn't get the message to me, but I knew you were trying to reach out to me. I knew you were praying for me and it really lifted me up here in this prison cell as I'm getting ready to die. Thanks so much. It meant all the world to me. Now, at Connection Point, this church wants you to get connected. The only way you can give and receive encouragement that we all need to thrive in this and every area of life is to be in relationship with other people. Would you please text the word GROUP? The staff here is ready to connect you wherever you are with a group of other people who can cheer you on and you can encourage. We can all stay on our game to living grateful lives. So Paul says this, okay, concentrate not on his imprisonment, He's uplifted by some people who cared about him. And you and I need to say, do I have people who care about me? Sure you do. Do you have people that you love? Sure you do. Then focus more on them than you do on your circumstances. And I think you'll have a much better month and year and the rest of your life. Been an interesting year. Interesting, strange word, isn't it? It's been a challenging year. Politics, 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 politics. Uh, the Speaker of the House is going to be 80 years old, I guess, or is 80 years old. You know, the last time a Speaker of the House was 80 years old, it was the year after I was born. I was born in 1954. And I got a little curious and just looked back at some of the early history of the, the, uh, the chairman of the, of the House, okay, of the Speaker for the House of Representatives. There's a guy named Sam Rayburn. He was the Speaker of the House from January the 3rd, 1955 to November the 15th, 1961. But he found out he was terminally ill. And on the spot, he shocked everybody in Washington, D.C., walked away from that powerful position, and he moved home to Bonham, Texas. <laughs> and they said, why in the world would you leave here with all the best medical practices in Washington, D.C., and go to an out-of-the-way place like Bonham, Texas? And Sam Rayburn said this, because in Bonham, Texas, that's a place where people know it when you're sick and they care about you when you die. And when you come right down to it, at the end of your life, I'm telling you what will matter will be your relationship with the Lord and the people who are around you who know when you're sick and care about you until you die. So let me just ask you, how many times are you going to have to hear Philippians chapter 4? How many times to finally grab it, to finally get it? Gratitude is not a result of stuff. It's not a result of circumstances. It's not a result of what people think about you. It's about our attitude. Are we grateful? Are we grateful for our relationship with Christ? Is that first so we can be thankful for what we have in our life? It has to do with other people and honoring him. They tried to trap Jesus one time, and they said, uh, what are the greatest commandments? Of all the commandments we have to follow, 613 laws they were to follow in the Old Testament law. They thought that we could trap Jesus, the religious leaders. They said, what are the, we can stump you with this question. Question for Jeopardy. Jeopardy, what are the greatest commandments in the law? Jesus said, that's easy. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole Bible right there. Love God and love people. 
And when you realize that, you can say with Paul one more time, I have learned the secret. And I would even say it this way. I'm still learning, how about you, the secret of being content, being grateful in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Verse 13, and we're going to say this verse three times out loud together. And each time we say it, we're going to put an emphasis on a different word. The first two times, the first time through, let's say the words, I can out loud. Say, I can out loud, uh, and then we'll read the rest of the verse. You ready? Here we go. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That helps. Let's change the emphasis to him, okay? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Let's try that one more time, and let's replace him with Christ. I can do all things and all of this through Christ who gives me strength. And that family of God, that is the secret to living life gratefully. Let's pray. Kind Father, thank you for being so patient with us. Um, these are the same lessons that we have to learn over and over again and sometimes every, every day, maybe every hour. And God, I just pray that this will be the best of seasons for us, this season between Thanksgiving and Christmas when so many maybe are dreading and many are saying we have to kind of pass on it this year. We won't have Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, but God, you've told us every day is Thanksgiving. It's the only holiday we're commanded to practice in the Bible. The Bible says give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. Every single day we're called to give thanks. May we do that day by day that others may be drawn to you and we have peace with you until we're with you forever. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.